Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. tuned into The Source on Otago Access Radio. During this 10-week series, we will be exploring what processes go into making the city run and what you need to know to be an active citizen. Each week, we will be covering a different aspect of civic education, from the different departments in council to how to get your voice heard in local government. Tune in to Otago Access Radio on Fridays at 5pm. This series will also be replayed 12pm Sundays and 6 on Monday evenings. Podcasts are also available from www.oar.org. .nz. The source was brought to you by Dunedin Youth Council. Hello, my name is Alana and I'm from the Dunedin Youth Council and I'm joined today by... Uh, Zoe, I'm from Germany. And um, Grace, I'm originally from the UK. And that's just fantastic. Yay! <laughs> and so today we're going to be doing a podcast on local body elections and I guess their importance and so in this podcast just a little bit about what the DCC does to start off with and a little bit of the history and I guess the day in a life of a student. And how the Dunedin City Council impacts the normal life of each and every one of us. We'll also um, relate this to um, why it's important that youth vote and we'll also talk about how the local election system works. Single transferable vote versus first past the post and what you have to do to vote and then we might compare it to voting in Germany because that's just interesting. Yeah. We'll also be throwing in some random quirky facts because... That's just fun. That's just really fun. <laughs> yeah. And to top it all off, we have two interviews, one with Mayor Dave Cull of Dunedin and the other one with Mayor Tim Shabell of Invercargill. So let's get this started. So to start it off, we're going to start with a random fact. Grace, do you have a random fact for us? Oh, sure, Alana. So, did you know vending machines are twice as likely to kill than a shark in the U.S.? I think maybe that's just around the world, you know? Oh, yeah, it could be. (laughs) It could be, actually. So, you know, if if you want to stay alive, we recommend that you go swimming with sharks rather than buying stuff from vending machines. That's probably very good advice, Alana. Just a little bit of local, the history of how local... The local body government was formed in Dunedin and just what it means. When Dunedin like first came about, there were, it was initially a town board that ran the city. But so it's kind of like Springfield in The Simpsons. I guess so, yeah. But it like just kind of evolved into like being more accountable and being more official. I mean, I guess some sort of government evolving is just a natural process because not everyone wants to like be responsible for the road around their house. Yeah. So having someone who's responsible for that is just a natural progress, I yeah. guess. And it was also influenced by the increase of um, the number of people in the town, which was 
from very few to um, 5,800 initially, and this was influenced by the gold rush. And so in August of 1865, the new city council was formed because they realised that actually they needed a mayor and some better governing force to actually keep the town running. And so the first, I guess, the inaugural local body elections was held in 1865. and So that's a long time ago. Yeah, but really in the grand history of things, it was not that long ago. Which is quite interesting because we get to kind of see it like very firsthand. And, you yeah. Know. And I guess there's been a, quite a progression with the mayor because up until 1915, the mayor... The term for a mayor was only a year, so really you couldn't do all that much. But then, and then, I guess from 1915 to 1935, the term was up to a grand total of two years until after 1955, which was finally bumped up to the three-year term that our mayors have now, which is, I would say, is a sensible choice because (laughs) otherwise you can't really have a stable city if you don't have a stable yeah definitely and um the role of a mayor is a very different one one than the role of like um a prime minister or a member of parliament because they care much more about like local stuff than um social change or something so i think they're really you know getting an initiative through the bureaucracy must take a long time and only having a year to do that won't do any good i think yeah and so I guess a good way to illustrate what the mayor and the Dunedin City Council does is to look at the day in the life of a student, which we're all students, so if so, you might think, oh, we know what a student does in a day, but if you really think about it, the DCC actually has quite a great impact in it. So, Grace, <laughs> would you like to give an example of what might happen that the DCC has an impact when you first wake up in the morning. Sure, Alana. So I think that it's important to acknowledge that everything in our lives essentially revolves around the idea of the DCC. Like, for example, you know, you wake up in the morning, you turn your lights on, that's there because of the DCC. You go to the, like, you know, you brush your teeth, you get showered. The water is there because of the DCC. You know, the plumbing, everything that you access for your house, like essentials to live. Like you wouldn't be able to drink, you wouldn't be able to cook, you wouldn't be able to do all of these things. And thus I think it's incredibly important that we do acknowledge this and we understand that we have a really strong impact because we're the people voting for it. Yeah. And so, you know, you drive to school, the roads are there and maintained because of the DCC. You know, you might want to go for a, a swim after school. That pool is there because of the DCC. You go to a park, you walk your dog, take your dog to a dog park. That is there, again, because of the DCC. You know, you might want to... Libraries, libraries. and public education are also a part of the city council. And um, that's why also it's very important to vote for these for the city council. Because, um, like, if you want... Uh, the library to have like a different policy or something then that is all part of what the city council does yeah and if you want that library maybe to get even to get new books really yeah i mean if you want to the library to get more books then the city council has to approve the library having more money and then you know you have to vote for the person who says that library books are a good thing so yeah it's all very important even if it does sound boring sometimes and the things like i guess the cabri carnival and the the midwinter festival 
all those events that we are able to enjoy are there because the parts of the DCC run it. And so it's like, you know, when you actually think about it, this the standard day in life of a student is actually, you know, we that's only possible really because the DCC and the people you vote in provide that. And so I guess that's just a little bit, a little bit of a background about you know the just what they do and why it's so important to vote. But before we move on to the next thing, we'll just have another <laughs> random fact. So, did you know that phrases like "in a pickle," "knock knock," "who's there," "wild goose chase," "green-eyed monster," and "dead as a doornail" are all just like a few phrases that we can thank Shakespeare for creating because otherwise we wouldn't have had them. The genius of Shakespeare. That's really interesting. Shakespeare was a real interesting guy. I mean, he invented over a thousand words. Yeah, actually, I was reading a book recently about how, like, I think it was titled How Shakespeare Changed Everything. It was really interesting. And it was sparked about, they talked about, like, the... um, you know, revolutions within America and with black civil rights and things like that and how he helped spark it with um, some of his famous plays, like an, like an examples in forwarding society through art. Look Despite at that. Politics yeah. is everywhere. Yeah, even in Shakespeare. Especially in Shakespeare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's got a lot of um, cultural So, very cool. I guess... The next thing is is actually how you how voting works in the local body elections because it's not quite the same as the national elections and as um, in a past podcast that we did we explained that um, national elections are, is under the mixed member proportional system. However, local government elections are done under systems such as the single transferable vote and another which is only in six of the cities in New Zealand. The rest of the cities do it under first past the post. And so I guess a little explanation of the single transferable vote is I guess this is where voters rank their candidates in order of preference. So you might have, I don't know, five candidates for the DCC or mayor and you number them in order from your preference. So a person such as Sam Jones might be your number one and you rank them all the way down to your last one, which might be a person such as, I don't know, Harry Owens, <laughs> just to make some context. And these candidates need to reach a certain number of votes to actually be elected into council or, yeah, let's just stick with council. So if your first candidate gets that quota needed, that vote can then be transferred onto your second candidate, which might not have quite enough votes to get in. Essentially, if okay, if you have to reach, um, let's say the quota is 40%, yeah. if you reach 40% and you reach 48%, so these 8% yeah. then go to the second one? Yes, that's, pr- that's oh, okay. precisely right. And then it goes on and on until you get the number of councillors you need, really. And that's that's the same with um, voting for the mayor. However, as soon as one person gets the, I guess, the quota to get in, that's it. 
because there we don't have five mayors. No, we only have one. <laughs> we can only have one. In other areas of New Zealand, it's like first past the post, so you get one vote and essentially one vote only, and it's the people with the greatest number of votes that get in to um, council. So yes, that is very interesting. Did you know? <laughs> Just to break it up a little bit. Yeah. Did you know that you can only vote in Dunedin when you are 18 years old? However, in Germany, I think that's slightly different. Oh, yes, it is, definitely. In Germany, even though the age limit for national elections is 18, just like here in New Zealand, the age limit for local elections, so if you are voting for a mayor or for the city council, is 16. So you can actually vote far, far earlier. And not only that, but also because Germany is part of the European Union, you also can vote in local body elections if you're a European citizen. So you don't need to be a German to vote in local body elections. You can, wow. if you're from, I don't know, France and you move to Germany, you can still vote for your mayor. How does the like, younger age limit kind of work? Do you think it's like successful? I'm not entirely sure because um, I think it's a very good thing that people can vote uh, you know, when they're younger. But I think that lots of people don't actually make use of it. And it's very important to educate people about the importance of voting and why um, especially younger people should be able to vote and also need to need to vote for the candidate um, or for the decision that uh, they are in favor of. I, guess I mean, kinda... yeah, and we have the longest future ahead of us, so I guess exactly. we might yeah. as well start early. Yeah. Um, I also see that city councillors in Germany have a longer, and the mayor, have a longer term than in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um... It says, I think... It's like for city councillors, it's about five years. Oh yeah, it's quite long. And for mayor, it's um, six years. So you're um, you're elected as a mayor for a term of six years, and you can also be re-elected as many times as you want. So yeah. you could theoretically be mayor for you know eternity, eternity, eternity. eternity basically. You know, well, given you're immortal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does that happen often? I'm maybe like not as sure, but. Um, do you think that many mayors get re-elected year after year after year? I think so, yeah. I think if you've been mayor before, people think that you know how the job works. And it definitely depends on um, to uh, on, on the policies that you've, you know, had. Um, to give a very specific uh, example, I mean, the mayor that we had before, the current mayor, um, he was elected for two terms. Yet yeah, people were very... Are fond of him, so they re-elected him. So you know. Well, I guess if you look at bringing it back to New Zealand, if you look at um, Tim Shadbolt, the mayor of Invercargill, he has been re- he's in his eighth term. Oh yeah, I mean that's just like incredible. And most most of that's, I think once he wasn't re-elected for a term, but other than that, it's just been year after year after year after year. He's been re-elected. So I guess that's showing how people can just be re-elected so often if they're benefiting the city. Yeah, Our city council in Dunedin is, I guess, a group of 14 councillors and a mayor, and they're just people who don't necessarily represent a political party. They just want... Sometimes they can, but it's very rare for them to show their affiliation. They're just normally a group of people wanting to benefit the city, really. But that's slightly different in Germany. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean... Um, especially, it's it's different in every city, but in in my city and in many others also, um, the local body elections are very similar to national elections. So it's about 
um, parties as much as it's about candidates. And oh, yeah. I mean, you can talk about the benefits and um, you know the negative aspects of that because obviously, if you're someone who's um, part of a party, you have accountability to that party and yeah. not just to uh, accountability to the city. So um, I think there's it's probably better the way Dunedin's, uh, Dunedin is doing it because. Um, you know, if you're not part of a party, then you're not necessarily a career politician and you're actually focusing on the city rather than focusing on having, um, you know, a career as a politician and maybe going to parliament or something. You're representing yeah. people of the city exactly. rather than your political affiliations. Exactly. Voting in Dunedin's a little bit tame. We, you know, people just turn up, they, they vote or they send their, like they post their vote in and, you know, everything goes smoothly. However... In the recent elections that you had in Cologne, it wasn't quite like that, was it? Um, well, um, do you mean the mayor election? Yes. Yeah, the mayor yeah, election. that was quite dramatic. I mean, people who are following the news a bit will probably know that Germany and the whole of Europe is having a lot of problems with refugees, and um, that yeah. it's, it's a very tense situation. And our one of the candidates in our election was actually um, a very prominent, uh, you know, like working for refugees and working for um, housing as many of them as possible yeah. and having them in Cologne because Cologne is a very multi multicultural city. And um, a day before the election took place, um, someone actually stabbed her in the neck um, in, in public, which is quite that's, extreme. And she was very extreme. It's yeah. very extreme, yeah. It's, it's sad that someone actually feels like they have to resort to that. And... Um, she was elected, but she was in a coma while she was elected. And actually, um, like two days later, they ma managed to wake her up and tell her that she was mayor. And then about a month later, she was healthy again and could be sworn in. Um, but I think that really shows that it's important to... Um, to, to, to take part in elections. Yeah. And I think it's very sad that even after that dramatic event, only 40% of the eligible population in Cologne actually voted at all in that election. Now we're going to hear an interview with Mayor Dave Cull of Dunedin. And if you'd like to hear the full interview, you can listen to the podcast from www.oar.org.nz forward slash the dash source. So with me right now, I have the Mayor, Dave Cull, and thank you for coming in. We really appreciate it. Um, we're just going to ask you a couple of questions about what's it like being Mayor and with what you have to say to youth, especially with the local body elections coming up. So first of all, I just kind of want to ask you, what drove you to run for Mayor and to you know put yourself forward for becoming Mayor? Okay. Well, I'd been on council for nearly three years. I've been on council for a term and I came in with a group of uh, two other people and we were putting together a group to come to have a go at the elections in 2010. Oh, yeah. And we could see a bit of a leadership gap. And I don't just mean at the mayoral level. But, so we were going to bring a pretty big group in, or we tried to, and we brought five people in, including the three that were already there. And we realised that that needed a mayoral component too. It wasn't enough. Yeah. We, we knew that we wouldn't get the kind of traction that was needed to make the changes that we felt were needed if we didn't have a complete package. So um, I was the one that put my hand up for, <laughs> for the mayoral one. So you were. So was it a whole group of you going forward for councillor yes. and mayor? No, it was a whole group of us going for, for council, and I went for the mayoralty. So okay. we we decided we needed one candidate 
to stand for the mayoralty in order to make as much difference as we felt we needed to. And this was under the Greater Dunedin. Yes, yeah, so it was. It was a. It was a not a party ticket. It was more a philosophical ticket in the sense that we had certain principles. Um, yeah. We felt that there was a need for more transparency. Uh, we felt there was a need for more concern about um, the environment, oh, yeah. uh, and we just had a number of principles, but no really firm policies. And in fact. Um, the five of us came from quite different political perspectives, but we recognised the need for um, evidence-based decision-making, for future-focused decision-making, and we all agreed on that. It's pretty cool how you're able to put those political views behind you and kind of just focus on what needed to be done, really. Yeah, I, I think that's quite important, really, because... Yep. When you're looking at what your options are, you know, when you're making a decision in council about something going forward, something in the f- about that's going to affect the future, I think you've got to look for the best option available and don't wait until you've got the ideal because the ideal yeah. may never come. Yes. And you've got to make the best choice you can at the time. And sometimes if you say, oh, we'll wait for the ideal, either it never comes or by the time it yeah. is available, it's too late. Miss your opportunity. Yeah. yeah. You've had two terms of being a mayor. Yeah. Do you think you've actually achieved what you initially had set your mind on when you first went to, um, I guess, put yourself forward for the mayor role? I think we've achieved a lot, and I say we because yes. nobody does anything no, on their own. No. Um, but one of the things that I identified – well, two, two things really. I identified the need for a much cl- better idea of where the city, the community – felt it wanted to go. I think there was a need to, for the community to have a conversation about what do we want to need and what do we need to need to, yeah. to look like and be like in 10, 20, 30 years' time. And that wasn't really there. And it wasn't like I or my um, council even stood up and said, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. It was more about the need for the conversation. And over the last six years, we've had conversations where we've developed council strategies. And to develop those... You have to have big conversations yeah. with partners. You know, it might be business people, it might be Naitahu, it might be uh, the arts community, depending on what kind of strategy it is. But the purpose of a strategy is to identify your vision, then uh, find a way or, or, or find a plan, if you like, for getting there. So I think we, t- to a reasonable extent, we have, as a council and as a community, achieved quite a lot of things that we had aspirations to do. Yeah. So what has been your highlight or quirkiest moment of actually being mayor? Well, I actually, I was thinking about that because it, when you sent me the questions, I thought, oh, what, what has been my highlight? There's been a few. Um, look, just to go off on a, on a few of them, earlier this week I spoke um, on a marae or th- three different marae in Parihaka in the North Island. And that wow. was, to me, I mean, that yeah. was a real privilege and really, really yeah, special. Um, then... Two months ago and a year ago, I had lunch on both occasions with the mayor of Shanghai. Wow. Uh, And then um, only six months ago, um, I abseiled off the gantry at Four Bar Stadium, 30 metres to the ground. And that was kind of a rush too. So there's there's been a number of – and I could probably think of a few more too. But I think the thing when I reflected on it was – how, wow, how different they yeah. were. You, know? you certainly wouldn't have expected that when you first entered <laughs> no, the job. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> so what impact, I guess, does the DCC 
and have on the community and the youth? Is it, I mean, now, but is it also having the impact that you're wanting? It depends on your political perspective. There are some people who believe that councils should confine themselves to providing the essential services, whether it's um, sewage, um, stormwater, water, roads, and that's it. Uh, and then, of course, we have some regulatory functions where it's building consents and resource consents and that kind of thing. I have a, I have a different view. I think that councils or local government in general are uniquely positioned to facilitate far more in their community about where the community goes and how the, you want the community to be. A community is more than just a set of services yeah. that people use. Um, it's about setting the tone for it might be looking at your arts and culture and creative sector and saying how do we how do we make it easy or possible for people to express themselves the way they want to in a way that enriches the community yeah um how do we um make the recreational environment accessible to everybody because these are the things that you want for your community yes, that's definitely. what you, that's what you yeah. want to be able to do um how do we you have the whole community looking out, looking after the environment and not just a few dock rangers going around giving people tickets when they drop litter or whatever, yes, yeah. you know? Um, so, I, and I think that certainly councils can't do that on their own, but they can facilitate it and they can lead and they can lead the conversations that get you to the place where people say, this is how we want our community to be and this is how we want to do it. Yes, yeah, so I was doing some a little bit of research and um – I saw that twenty twenty one about twenty one point I don't know twenty two percent were between of Dunedin's population are between the ages of fifteen and twenty four. Yep. Um, and you were talking about how you wanted like um, to be able to facilitate everyone's views and yep. stuff. Yeah. How, however, it's lots of the councillors themselves seem to be over that age and so I was we were just wondering how the views of this age demographic might be able to be taken into consideration how are they being taken into consideration when such a large proportion are I guess youth but people in charge are not necessarily of a youthful age so I guess it would be unrealistic to expect the age of people in local government to be really young. Yes, but yes. having said that, I'm really keen on attracting more young people in. And when I say young, I don't mean 15, but no, I mean, no, yes. I mean you know, 25, 25. To, 25 to 40, say. I think that's a yes. really good age group um, and a useful age group and one with energy and, and, and a future focus. Um, I'd have to say that I think that Dunedin City Council could do a better job of finding ways to listen to youth. Um, we've tended to use the traditional ways of having hearings, uh, having public meetings, and no one ever turns up to no, them. Yeah. And I, we've, I think we've got to engage in the digital space, whether it's Facebook or whether it's websites or whether it's um, digital consulting, I don't, I don't mind. But yeah. it seems to me that that will be where younger people are more like, or the ways that young people are more likely to engage. Yeah, so I think we could. I think we can do better, and I think it's yes. really important that we do better because the proportion of younger people that are taking an interest in in local government and are voting is is not high. Yeah. And and if we want to have 
if a, if a democracy is going to mean anything, people have got to get involved in it. Definitely, and there's been statistics showing that the youth involvement on national on a national level um, with voting is not very high. And then you, so when you come to the youth involvement on in local government, when you look at that, you it's even less. Yes. However, it's almost. Would you say that it's almost more important to vote? Um, for youth to actually be getting engaged in the local government, you know, yeah, with the yeah, elections, yeah. I think I think they're, they're equally important um, because central government and local government do different things. And yeah. but I think that local government has an impact on the lives of younger people, well, all, all people, yes. every bit as much as national yes. government does. And I think that in within communities, local government has more impact on what the community is going to be like in the future and whether it's going to offer opportunities to young people in the future and keep them here or attract them yeah. more than central government does. Yes. So I think that in the first instance, it's important for people to, to take an interest in what's happening at a local level. And then, you know, you know what they say, think global, act local. So I, I don't think either is unimportant. Yes. But... Um, you know, the things that impact on me uh, most in terms of, you know, um, have I got close by recreational facilities and how accessible is my um, is, the, is the immediate environment around Dunedin and uh, how good is the public transport? It's, it's these things yeah. down to local government. Th- yes. Local government almost has a more of a direct I think so. impact, which if you don't vote yeah. for, you're not going to necessarily – or again – you can't complain because no, they're trying. you yeah. haven't had a yeah. vote. And so if it doesn't go the way you want it, yeah. I guess it's going to have more of a direct impact on you. Yeah, I think so. Because if you if you don't vote, then you've had no say in who is on council. So you can't very yes. well complain that the wrong people are there if you haven't even bothered to take. I guess my next question is, is that what have you learnt over the years as mayor that I guess you didn't know or appreciate before? I think one of the things I've learned is and I referred to it earlier when I talked about you look for the best option, not the ideal yes. one. And I think it's about it's about two two parts to this really. One is evidence based decision making. It's it's not um, having some kind of high blown uh, ideological or philosophical view and saying this is how I am going to decide something. You have to look at the evidence and say, you know, you take climate change. You know, is the evidence there? If it is, then. What do we do from there on? It, it, you've got to ground everything on on evidence. And if you do, it's actually easier to find common ground with people that on other things you might disagree with. You might have yeah. a different political view. But I think the important thing is finding common ground because, you know, the decision-making in council is by majority vote. Yeah. And um, there are times when um, I'll be chairing a, meet, a council meeting and we'll come to a point where I can see someone will – put up a proposition, a, a, a resolution and suggest it and um, I can see that it's going to be sort of split down the middle and one side will decide or not. But to me, narrow majorities are not ideal. So no. so I would sometimes call a halt and say, why don't we get together a bit on this and talk about it and see if we can find some common ground and a bit of compromise and instead of being a 7-8 decision, it's 10-5 or 11 yeah. Whatever it is, yes. uh, eleven four, and that's a much more robust decision, and people are more content with it because they've found the common ground and they've got a bigger. So, so I think the thing I've learned is look for the common ground that yeah. you have with people, but do it on the basis of the evidence because if you can agree on the on the facts, yeah. then it's much easier to get to a conclusion. And I guess um, you might have your own I- I- ideas or ideologies, but you're never really going to 
everyone has different right. views, and so I guess it's that yeah. common ground thing again. You re- it's so yeah. important. Yeah, and I'm not talking about necessarily always compromising. I mean, yeah. you might find common ground on a part of it, and so you say, well, we'll agree to do this bit. Yeah. Basically, we're talking about how young people get involved. Yes. And I think that, I, I mean, over the years, I've been really impressed with the young people that have come to council. Uh, there's been groups like Generation Zero um, out of yeah. the university, big groups like Ignite Consultants out of yes. the university, um, who have come along sometimes with the best uh, submissions that we've had on, on oh, certain really? subjects. I mean, they're really well thought through. So there, is, there are ways for, and it's happening, for where young people are getting involved and having an influence. Yes. Um, I guess youth could bring a different perspective and um, that may not have necessarily been thought through before. And so yeah. Sometimes? I think they do do a different perspective. Um Partly because they've got more future ahead of them than, to worry about yeah. than I do as being older. Um, it's important for councils or to sort of drop their prejudices or, or drop their predetermination, not prejudices, yeah. but predeterminations, and just listen um, to what um, the younger people in the community want. See, I guess the situation that communities in are all over the world at the moment, uh, that we face a unique set of challenges. Now, Hundreds of years ago in communities, when things when things were changing at a much slower pace, whenever a big crisis came along, and this happens in in you know primitive communities and or historical ones, whenever a big crisis came along, you'd say to the old people, "What did you do last time?" This <laughs> happened, you know, yeah. and that worked, yeah. you know, because that's that's the communal ex- community experience and the memory of the community. And they say, "Oh well, when there was a." Flood last time we did this and this and this or whatever, but the and that's fine. But I actually think that the the communities all over the world face a combination of things that we've never had before. So we've got yes. a very high population, we've got resource depletion, we've got climate change, and we've got um, instant communications and and yeah. very efficient transportation and all that kind of thing. So the challenges that that throws up it throws up opportunities as well. It's not yeah, it all does. dark, yeah. you know. It's not all black. But the challenges that it throws up, you can't look back in history and say, well, last time we had 7 billion people on the planet and the climate was changing and we were running out of this and that and the next thing. Because there was no time that it all happened before. So the kinds of solutions, if you like, uh, have never been tried before. So there's no reason why younger people wouldn't think of those just as much as older people because you don't actually need so much experience to – you need a bit of blue sky thinking, actually. Yes. Even if – youth aren't interested in the heavy political side of the council and stuff. We were just wondering how important you think it is for youth to just be active citizens and whether how much that actually impacts on like the functioning of, I guess, Dunedin City and how can people get right, involved. Well, here's a lesson I've learned. I don't think communities would work without volunteers. Yes. So I think that, and I'm not talking about just young people, I'm talking about volunteers in general. I mean, an enormous amount of effort is put in across the community, whether it's food share or the Rotary Club or volunteers, yeah. um, whatever, um, Volunteer Otago. I mean, there's just dozens and dozens of groups and individuals who pour in hours of work yes. and resource, and the community wouldn't work really without that. And so I think that if for all people, whether they're young or older, getting involved in 
community. They might be sporting clubs. It might be the amenity society. It might be volunteering. It might be helping with food share. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's getting involved. And I think that that not only has a community benefit, it actually has an individual benefit because you oh yeah you're definitely you're learning st- well you stop thinking just about yourself yeah and you learn so much and yeah. I guess um, I guess a preconception that many youth have is that volunteering can be a drag but really I guess what I've learned through where I've volunteered and stuff is that just just volunteer and things that you're actually interested in it doesn't have to be because people are going to appreciate what you do so much more if you actually are interested in there and want to put, you know, want to, um, I just put effort into it and um, invest in it, really. Yeah, that's right. And that's where, yeah. I guess, organisations and communities actually start to flourish when it's a people of, that are actually keen to do things. I, I, think, I think you're right. And I think there's a certain alienation that can happen when people take individualism too far. Yeah. And you become, you know, we are social animals and we need each other. Of course, we want to express ourselves individually and sometimes we just want to be on our own. But actually, as I say, I think you can take that too far. And and the sort of philosophy of the supreme individualist is a a risky one because there's two sides to it. You can become quite alienated as well. Thank you so much for coming to speak to us. It's You've given us some very thought, thought-provoking answers, and um, mm. we really appreciate it. So that was um, Mayor Dave Cole speaking with us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Lana. Yes, I think it's time for a random fact. Yes, <laughs> good, good way, good way to wrap it up. I think, oh, I think yes. we've been, um, yeah. Okay, who, who would we like to do one each? Yeah, oh, yes. Let's That's do one quite each. exciting. So many random facts at once. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic way to wrap it up. Yeah. So, what is your random fact, Zoe? Okay, did you ne- know that the metallic smell of coins is actually your body oils breaking down in the presence of iron or copper? That's cool. quite freaky, I think. Yeah, that, that's that's very freaky. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you kind of associate, yeah, you associate, yeah, that smell no. with money. Like that, it actually comes from us. That is very weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, speaking of smells, um, this is very strange because um, I was listening chemistry today, and we were discussing um, bread actually, and the like the smell of like bed bread bread. Yes, let bread. me try that again. The smell of bed. <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue bread? twister which I'm trying to do the smell of be- bread bread I'm talking about bread here like the loaves you buy from the bakery but like <laughs> the bakery. <laughs> the, oh my god so many B words the smell of baking bread oh yes is actually the ethanol of which is evaporating which is why you have to smell <laughs> Which is why you have to cook bread at above 80 degrees. That's fascinating. Oh, so oh you're not actually smelling bread, you're just smelling ethanol. Oh, oh wow. That's, well, that's ethanol very smells weird. so good. I suggest you don't get addicted to like it. You're literally just smelling like the gas given off like by the yeast. Yeah. Mm. It kind of makes you reconsider the world we live in. Yeah, like it's every existential crisis we, type yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, yeah I'm yeah, having I'm, an existential yeah, crisis. Yeah, a little bit. Are you okay there, Zoe? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm managing, I think. Okay, okay. So, for another quick quote is that, did you know that it's theoretically impossible for quicksand to suck you under as it, you aren't actually <laughs> dense enough to sink in it? But 
the more you disturb the sand, the more it liquefies. And so as long as you don't panic, it will only sink. Only half your body length will sink into the sand. So, But most people like don't stay calm and they panic and that's when things go bad. So if you end up, ever end up in quicksand, don't panic because you then you won't die and you'll be fine. Yeah, that's probably good not dying. I mean, it's funny because you like see people in old movies, you know, just disappearing in quicksand. I mean, yeah. as a child, I just like had this idea that the world was full of quicksand <laughs> and I just like would never play on the playground because I was scared of the sand. <laughs> Wow, there you go. You don't need to now. Yeah, I mean, if I had known that, yeah, life would be sorted. It would be so much better. I think this comes back. I think this comes back to what we were discussing. You know, education is really important. It stops you from playing on the playgrounds the DCC builds. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) very great. You have been listening to the Source on Otago Access Radio. Tune in every Friday at five PM for the next topic of discussion. This series will also be replayed at 12pm Sundays and 6 on Monday evenings. The source will also be podcast from www.oar.org.nz. Thank you to the Dunedin Youth Council for making this series possible. Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.